selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Ahoy, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice. You are listening to the Friday follow-up for Season 14, The Reply Briefs. Today, we tackle Part 9.5 and discuss the breakdown of Jay's second interview. A lot of great information was exposed this week, and I, for one, am really looking forward to talking about it. Today, it's only Bob and I while Janet's out on assignment. But before we jump into all the fun, do we have any housekeeping? Oh, let me think. Just uh, just give you guys a little update on a few things. Uh, as Zach said, Janet is on assignment. This week, and it's just me and Zach. Next couple weeks, I don't know how things are going to shake out. Uh, You may end up with just me and Zach again. You may end up with just me and Janet again. I don't think we were able to figure out a time where it would be all three of us (laughs) in the same place. It is what it is. Uh, Unless we do, I think think what Janet and I kind of landed on for after Sketchfest is if we go back to that Tuesday evening thing Mm -hmm. where we can do the pregame and then you can come in before the main episode. So can be some weird scheduling stuff. None of it really will affect you at all unless you are someone who does like to watch the YouTube lives. So just keep track of our social media or subscribe to the YouTube channel and turn on notifications. You'll learn when we're going to go live where we record the follow-up. So a little bit of stuff going on there. Uh, just wanted to just update you guys. I, just, I touched base with Bob Mata over the weekend just to verify that he's still good to come on and do a recap after we're done with the series. He is, and it looks like we've got that that scheduled. I believe if I had my timing right, it's like second or third week of February is when the final episode of Reply Brief will come out. And then he and I are going to then record our episode right after that. Awesome. And then uh, it'll come out the following week. For patrons, I hope you guys enjoyed the Adnan, how to prove Adnan is innocent in 30 minutes or less panel for your episode this past Sunday. We got another one of those coming out this Sunday for you guys. We've got... This one is, I'm trying to think of the word that I'm looking for. I mean, it's not fun. It was not fun. The Ed and Kim panel. Mm, it was yes. the most meaningful, impactful yes. panel I think I've ever done at any event ever. So Janet was hosting. It was the Web of Death panel because that was, remember, we did the the Hulu episode. But it had very little to do with Web of Death. Very little to do with it. So yeah, I didn't even put that in the title of it because that was, so it, that's why Jillian Pensavalli is on the stage with us too because they covered that mm-hmm. episode on True Crime Obsessed. But really, it was an opportunity for Ed and Kim to kind of share their story with this. It was a giant room, packed, standing room only. Janet hosts. I'm up there, Ed, Kim, and Jillian. And it's it's an hour of discussion about not that episode, but really about their journey from, you know, before he went to prison, while he was in prison, 
a lot about how the story went down from the time I contacted Ed until he got out and his relationship with Kim. You, you hear a lot of things that have never really been discussed before. I mean, there was there was the tears were flowing. Oh, I can tell you how good the episode was. Halfway through, you can hear Bob ask me to find tissues. Yeah, because we were all and I'm not up there. <laughs> yeah, Zach was in the audience. Everybody was sobbing. So uh, just like this week, if you're a patron, uh, and for those of you that aren't aware, if, at the if Patreon at the five dollar a month level, you get every single episode of the podcast ad free. Everything from season five on it was when we started doing Patreon ad free you get an extra episode on wednesday called pregame which is our hour-long discussion just kind of fun discussion where we can just catch up on life before we record these follow-ups those usually come on wednesdays or thursdays on fridays you also get a video that is the behind the scenes video of taping these that includes that full hour of pregame and all the video from the actual recording of this what else is there so much stuff oh and then stuff like this bonus stuff like this one so if you're at that level at the five dollar month patreon level then you also are going to get this week an audio version and a video version. So if you're on our Patreon at Fight Out level and you have, they'll give you an RSS feed link. If you haven't already done that, you can link it to whatever pod. Like if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can link it to Apple Podcasts. So on Sunday, it'll just boom, there will come the audio of that presentation. And if you go to the Patreon app, you can watch the video version. So I put both up there. So if you just want the audio, you'll have it on your podcast player. If you want the video, you can watch the video version of that event that's on there. And then as we go forward, from now until we finish the series, I think we got five weeks left of the reply brief series. The episodes that that's the other thing you get, by the way, is the, the entire reply brief series all the way to the end is already on Patreon. You guys are getting them about six weeks behind when those drop. So during these next five weeks, uh, I'm going to be looking at Patreon. You guys let me know because I want to make sure I keep putting new content out for you guys because, you know, it, especially the way things are, are right now in the, the world and e economy. Really, our Patreon is what's keeping the lights on for us right now. And so we, we just can't stress how much we appreciate you guys all helping support us in that way. And so we want to keep making sure we give you content. So let us know on Patreon what we would like for like bonus episodes for these, these Sundays till the main feed catches up with us. And we will do that. So that's what's coming on Patreon. And then on the main feed, you're going to get uh, part 10, which is Jay's trial testimony. And I think that is all the housekeeping that all I right. other than I want to say this on the actual podcast too, not just because we talked about it in the pregame show. If by any chance you're going to be around the Southwest Michigan area next Thursday, which is January 25th, Zach is a finalist in a stand-up comedy contest at uh, a comedy club in Niles called the underground laugh lounge. So he's going to be competing to to win the big prize for the best stand-up comic in in Niles or however they're putting it. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing, but it, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's a contest. Fun. You made it through the first round. You're in the finals. Exactly. It's like five or ten bucks a ticket, I think. To, uh, the finals are ten dollars a ticket. I think they changed that after I bought my tickets. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're ten bucks a ticket. It'll be a good time. I'll be there. Of course, Zach will be there. Our wives are going to be there. So it'd be awesome just to have more people come out and support Zach. So if you can make that come out and that would join be us. awesome would and again that's it. the underground laugh lounge if you go to their website you can buy the tickets right through their website which you should do ahead of time if you're going to come because i think they'll sell out with that let's get going with these questions first thing like zach this is the episode long 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 time ago when i was like i can't wait till you get to this because we're really really digging into the meat and potatoes of this case which is jay's interview the case mm -hmm. is built around jay what jay said and this is the full statement analysis for the interview that they use, right? So we heard the first one last week. Yes. That story didn't work at all for them. So they threw it out and then came back in with this new story. And this is the one pretty close to this version of it is what they went to trial with. So what did you think? It, it is, it's scary is what it is to be a hundred percent honest. It is really scary, especially at, when you start to break down and you can hear the fact that Jay is, is definitely being led. Even if you don't believe, if, if you believe Adnan is, is guilty, right. like you said in the episode, it's very hard to conceive that Jay is not being led through this interview. Mm -hmm. There's so many times with the Osaris, oh, there's so many times where he goes, yes, oh, no, oh, yes, like any kind of bounces back and forth. It's terrifying. It is truly terrifying. Now, in a lot of other cases, you see, I can't say a lot. In other cases we've seen, you, you see detectives lead, but it's more verbally. Yeah. So that's very strange to me that it's that it's a very nonverbal thing we're hearing. Mm -hmm. And that, actually, that leads me to one of the questions I have. Have you heard the audio that includes the tapping? Yes. Yeah. It, I have I have heard all the full audio of all the interviews. 
as a matter of fact, I just when I was on Instagram Live with Rabia, I brought I think it was during the live, I brought up that like nobody outside of people that are like attached to the case. I mean, I was not attached to the case, but I've I've worked with Adnan's lawyers and stuff like that. The general public have never heard they've heard portions of it, but they've never heard the full interviews. So I just gave her a bump before we came on to record today to say, you know, hey, have you thought more about that or can you talk to the lawyers and see if because I would like to just release them out for everybody so everybody can hear the whole thing. And, and how audible is that tapping? I mean, is, is it? It's pretty, it's pretty audible. When you know what you're listening for, you, you can hear it without anything being done to the audio. You okay. can hear the. It's evident what's happening. Um, on Undisclosed, when they covered it, they actually cleaned it. And you know this because you've done audio editing. Mm-hmm. Basically, they ran a noise reduction that took out like the humming and background noise. And then you can really hear it. But even without it, because the people are like Brett Nalls in particular and other people have made the, you know, like, oh, well, you can do anything with manipulating artifacts and all. it's not. When you just listen to it without doing anything, you can hear it. You can hear. And it's right when Jay will stumble. He'll be like, uh, then, uh, oh, sorry. And then he goes back to what he's doing. So it, it does line up with those. It's not just what we're reading through the transcript. I mean, it does line up with those. Oh, sorry's and right. Yeah, exactly. And, th- and that's what that's one of the reasons I want to put the audio out, because what I did is a, a, just a, a statement analysis. I'm looking at words, word choices, mm-hmm. and when when things are said based on how it's written out in the transcript. And you see how, I mean, it, it's it's very apparent. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think it'd be hard to argue those points that I'm making throughout this episode that this is very clearly Jay being led to change his story. When you couple that with actually hearing it for yourself and hearing those tapping, and then also hearing everything from the tone and the voices, all that stuff, it really is very obvious. And, and like you said, and like I said, like, that's fine. You can believe Adnan is guilty and also believe that the police fed him this story. This story doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so if at, in a world where Adnan is guilty, what Jay said happened is not what happened. We've proven that without question. We've proven that there is a world where you don't have to die on the hill of no, that story came from Jay and still think Adnan's guilty. There was a couple changes, or not changes, there's a couple things you pointed out that that I thought was really interesting. Just minute things where in the first interview he says he goes to Mark Pusateri's house to play video games. Right. And then in the second interview, it's Jen Pusateri's house. Mm-hmm. That's a very strange, you know, I mean, there there's the reason why he reconciled that. Like, he didn't just change that. I, you know, if, if this is your true story, you're not just... You're going to relay it the same way, in my opinion. Yeah, it's stuff like that that I hope people catch on. Even the, like I, again, I hope everybody understands, and, and you'll see this from the entire the entirety of me doing this reply brief series. This has never been about disagreeing with someone's opinion. Mm-hmm. It, it is a, it is about making sure that the facts are correct and analyzing the facts. And, and I hope people can like listen to that uh, objectively and see like there's a. I'm not just pulling shit out of my ass. There's a process to it. That is. Any objective statement analysis will notice that, that in the first interview, I was at my friend Mark's house and his sister came home. But in the second interview, it shifts and the shit, what it does in the shift is it makes Jen the focal point now, because now we're using Jen to try to corroborate Jay's story. So everything, remember back, and that's not only that, but in the first interview, Jen's not a part of it at all. Mm-hmm. He, Jen picking him up, all that, none of that happens in, in the first interview. But now that Jen's on the record, Jay knows Jen's on the record. Now they're trying to make a story that fits with the cell phone records, with Jay, Jen's story and everything. Again, we talked about this the last couple of weeks, the change to Best Buy. That has to be Best Buy because Jen said it was Best Buy and Jen has a lawyer. They can't go back to Jen and, and try to get her to change something. So they have to change the story to fit what Jen said is why that comes in. So Jen becomes the focal. And, and what is the timeline on the second interview? Is it about two weeks later? Two weeks later, yeah. It was the 15th. So the first one was on the 28th, end of the 28th. And then the second one was the March 15th. And, and so at that time, I mean, we're, we're feeling Jen's first, Jen's interview is the 27th. Jay's interview is the 28th, but it's really the night. It's that same evening. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. just past midnight, but it's really that same evening. And then, yeah, they go right from Jen to Jay to Jay. Okay. And there's about two weeks before they have a a second official interview with Jay. Right. Okay. I got a bunch of notes written down here that I'm trying to go through. I found it really interesting listening that, that I feel like Brett and Alice did not touch on, which was the whole like ending of the interview Uh where it comes around and, and Jay's like, well, this isn't this, what's this line of questioning? What, what's happening? You know? And they just kind of like, that was very intriguing to me. Well, and it's, that's par for the course for me. Like there, there's a ton of stuff. 
that they don't touch on. Mm -hmm. And that's to me, that's been their approach through this entire series is anything that's problematic. They just avoid it. And they're able to do that by saying, listen, we could talk about this for a hundred weeks if we wanted to go. We just can't go through every single detail. And conveniently, the details they don't want to talk about are the ones that don't look good. Mm-hmm. And again, you can read it in the transcript on our website. But when you hear it especially, you can hear Jay is shocked because he's like, well, you knew about this. You knew that he was doing this. Why didn't you call the police? Why? And Jay's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, what? Can we stop for a minute? And then Rich is like, no, you can talk about it on tape. And he's like, I, I don't understand this line of question. Like, it, it is, it does read, I'm not a professional in this at all, but it does read very interesting to me because it reads like Jay knew what they were talking about. Jay knew what they were supposed to come in and talk about. And then they flipped a script where if you go into that conversation, that interview, not having any idea what we're talking about, the line of questioning doesn't matter. Right. Because you don't know what's going to be asked. You don't know what's going to be asked of you. So why does it matter if the line of questioning changes? And and from my perspective, if you go into it thinking this is a legitimate interview, these police are trying to solve this case. And throughout that process, you've told them that you knew about the murder ahead of time, that you helped plan it, that you talked to Jen about it, you did all this. You would, any normal person would expect questions like that. Mm-hmm. But to me, it seemed very clear that Jay was not expecting questions like that, which is, to, to me is an indication that he thought he was going into this interview on the same team as the cops. Yeah. That that's why he's agreeing with them. That's why. And you notice they don't do it until they get everything they need. You read through this whole interview. He goes through all the whole timeline, breaks everything down. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Oops. And he keeps changing it whatever they want he's very agreeable Mm -hmm. it's not until after they get all of that out on the record that then they flip the tables on him so just to play devil's advocate for a second one of the things i have written down and and i don't know how much it appears but the the oh sorry thing Uh is there any chance that that is just like a nervous tick by jay some people get these when they get put in a a hostile situation they, they kind of say things over and over again i know that i do it i say things repeatedly when i'm kind of like flustered Mm -hmm. and i wonder if that's in my opinion i wonder if that is like a thing that happens with jay is like oh oh, oh, sorry oh sorry maybe like the 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 word choices he uses do it Mm -hmm. but the thing is and you got to look at the context of every time he does it he corrects something that's supposed to be his memory every time Mm -hmm. he says I did this, this, and this. Pause. Oh, so and and if you were hearing it, you would hear. Oh, sorry. I just realized that our audio software is going to take that tap right out. So <laughs> I tapped the table there, people. But th- that's what you hear is him saying something. Pause. Tap. 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 Oh, sorry. And then he changes what he said. Mm-hmm. So you know, as far as like the verbiage of it, maybe. But it, but it's it's correlated to him changing his story every time. Okay. Uh, the other thing that. I want, I really want to know is there's that point where there's an inaudible mumble from, I, I don't know if it's Ritz or McGillivary. That's a, like, so there's clearly something. I mean, that's the moment. Right. Like, if you don't believe any other point of this is leading to him being led, like that's the point for me that it's like when there's something inaudible mumbled and then he immediately changes his story. And that's a point yeah. where it, he did correct something. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, I forgot. To add this. Yeah, he completely changed what he had said. Yes. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. New year, new you. That's what everyone is saying this time of year. But what if instead of focusing on what you need to change about yourself, you take a few minutes to think about what you're doing right? For example, I personally haven't reached all of my fitness goals. But rather than putting all of my energy into areas where I've fallen short, I think it's a lot healthier to focus on what I've done right and build on that in a positive way. Whatever your situation, therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions that are always short-lived and never really work and instead make changes that really stick. Therapy can help you learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And therapy isn't just for people that have experienced major traumas. It's an incredible tool, it's for everyone, and it's made a huge impact on my life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not meshing well, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. 
So celebrate the progress that you've already made with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Truth Today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Truth. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair all delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. So the only other thing I have written down has nothing to do with this episode. I told you I was going to ask you a dumb question for my own sake. Hay's body is found before Hay's car is found. Correct? Yes. That seems really suspicious of me that Hay's body was found out in a wooded lot that's partially buried before a car is found missing. I understand that cars, I mean, it's not easy, but if they have an APB out or whatever they do, it seems like that car would have showed up a lot sooner than it did if they legitimately found it when they found it. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, a lot of people think that. And it's, there's so much oddness with the sellers finding the body. We've talked about that mm-hmm. ad nauseum. But yeah, I mean, it, so let's just say all things legit. It's by sheer happenstance he found, he stumbles across her because it's like when we say partial, I know Brett and Alice like to push. It was just partially bare. Like it was in a leaf littered ground. A little bit of her hair, a little bit of her foot, and a little bit of her fingers were sticking up. The rest was all buried, and it was covered. You know, and that was all dirty and leaf littered. So the 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 city surveyor when they showed up to disinter the body almost stepped on her when they all like there's they're all taped off they're all standing around and he's like where's the body he didn't see it like so it's it wasn't like it was you know she was just like half hanging out of the grave that that's weirdness but yeah i i see your point like but supposedly the car is a couple miles away sitting right in the open in a lot we heard from in a previous episode one of the people that was living there at the time who said that if they saw any car sitting there for more than a couple days that they didn't recognize, they call the police immediately. Mm-hmm. They 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 want to know why that car is there. So yeah, it doesn't seem like it's hard to jibe those. It, my theory has been, and it's just a theory. My theory is that it was parked at the satellite lot at the airport the whole time, so it wasn't somewhere inconspicuous. It was at a place with hundreds or thousands of other cars, and nobody's paying any attention to what cars are in there because they only care when you go in. And you go in and get your ticket, and you come out and got to pay for it. That that's my theory is that most likely. That's where it was. It was sitting there the whole time where it could go unnoticed for all those weeks, as opposed to parked in a place where the residents say, no, and there, was, there would never be a car parked here. And those aren't my words. Those are their words. There would never be a car parked here for six weeks without us calling the police. And, and it's coincidentally found like right around the same time as Jay and Jen's first interviews. Isn't it? Isn't it found the car? Well, the, well, the official story is that after Jay's first interview, he took them to the car. Okay. 
but, but we never see in his pre-interview, there's no mention of the car. During the interview, they say that he knows where the car is, but they never ask him where the car is. They never get on the record that he knows that he know the- that he knows exactly where he says he knows where it is. He describes the area, but not the location. If that makes sense. So he describes like what you could see from pictures, mm-hmm. but not the area, the turns, you know, what street, where it's at exactly. And then in his trial testimony, he said that you know Gutierrez caught him, and he and he said that he led them to the wrong place. Even Jay said that. Well, and and wasn't there a question about they ask if it's in the city or in the county, and he immediately knows where that is? Like that that's leads very strange to me. Well, there's well. a lot there because it's it's all so you've seen it, you've driven it. They don't ask him where is it. Mm-hmm. They do want to make sure they get on the record. Which to me, it's suspicious. They get on the record like, oh, but have you come across it before? Yes. How many days ago? Four days ago. So the 24th, I drove by it in my commute when he doesn't have, he has no commute. He doesn't have a fucking car. He doesn't drive anywhere. And it's on the other side of town from his house and where he works. But I came across it in my commute. It was four days ago. So it's like they make sure that he gets on the record that that car was there four days ago. But then it's just, where is it in the city or the county? Oh, it's in the city. It's on the west side of the city. None of it makes sense to me. Some of the word choices are, are strange to me too. Like, I, I'm not saying that that younger people don't use proper verbiage, but to say things like, I see it on my commute. Yeah. Like, I, I, just little things like that always stick out to me that that's, that sounds like you're repeating something that someone's told you. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that people do not speak like that, but you got to figure younger kids, I don't, in my opinion, they don't, they're not going to say on my commute. Yeah. Although there's a lot of people on Facebook have pointed out a lot of the instances where there's word choices that seem like they would have come from the officer, not from mm-hmm. him. Like, like, and this is just speculation, but I could imagine a scenario where they're like, before the interview, did you know where that was? Maybe, maybe you went past it during your commute, you know, during your just normal daily commute. Like that's something I could see Ritz or McGillivary saying. Mm-hmm. And then when they get to that point with Jay, he's like, oh, I went by it in my commute. Like I said, Jay would never say, I don't think Jay would ever say that he would drive past it on his commute because Jay doesn't have a commute. He doesn't drive. And it's nowhere near where between between his house and his work. The other one that sticks out to me is when he says marijuana. For when he first says narcotics and then he says marijuana. Yeah. But even the word choice of marijuana said weed or pot. It's you know I mean that's a very like police vernacular. Yeah. Not that mar- obviously marijuana is the term people say marijuana, so you can't say that that's not. But it just anybody that age that I knew that was into it. I don't know anybody that called it marijuana. Like, yeah. That was but very strange. It's to me. another another strange situation too. The whole thing like. At one point, he says procure marijuana. Another, he's he's getting narcotics, and then I think it's McGillivary is like narcotics, and he's like, uh, 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 I'm sorry, marijuana. I agree with you. It seems odd. The thing with stuff like that, like with finding the car, is we could just you can talk about your blue in the face. The people that are dead set that Adnan's guilty just are never going to agree that Jay didn't know where the car was, and the people that are dead set that Adnan is innocent are never going to agree that he did. And there's no way. And I, I said this on the podcast before. Like, there's no way to prove either one. That's why I focus much more on. The timings and things we can prove. Mm-hmm. Everything I've seen, I'll say this right now. Everything I've seen, I cannot see any point that shows Adnan is guilty. At the same point, I can't see anything that necessarily sticks out at the moment that says he's a hundred percent innocent. But there's also nothing that says he's guilty. Like he's just another person in the yeah. story to me. Well, that's the thing is you look at. So there's nothing that says he's innocent. I mean, I disagree with that. I think that I think him being a track practice on time is a pretty fucking good indication that he's innocent. If he was at track practice on time, mm-hmm. he could not have killed Hay, period. So if Coach Sai is right about that, then th- that's that's pretty positive. If Becky was right when she said she saw him come up to Hay and she, Hay said, hey, I can't give you that ride. Something came up. I got to go. And they walked away in different directions. And Adnan said, no problem. I'll get one from somebody else. If that happened, mm-hmm. then he's not, you know, there's a lot of that. And, and see, here's where I, this is why I say that there's nothing. All of that was ifs. To- right. I understand what you're saying. A hundred percent. I understand what you're saying. And I do believe that that leads to him being innocent, but there's, I, there's nothing concrete at the moment because it's all like, if coach Sai is correct, if Becky is correct. Right. And that's the problem with this case, right? There's no hard evidence. That's like, here's a videotape of Adnan in right. the school at three 30 or, yeah. you know, like you have to believe the witness statement. You, you have to believe the witness statements. But, and so, but where I was going with that is, so you, you do have all that stuff, right? So there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of actual evidence that is not contradicted by anything but Jay to indicate that he that he's innocent. But that doesn't matter because it's the other piece that does matter because he is innocent unless you prove he's guilty. And the only thing that proves he's guilty, the only thing that proves he's guilty is Jay. 
And we've completely disproven Jay's story. From what Jay said happened, compared with the cell phone records, compared with the drive times and the map, it is 100% impossible for Adnan to have killed. So, okay, so get rid of Jay. What evidence do you have that? None. None. There's nothing there. I mean, there, there, there's just as much evidence that Aisha is innocent as there is that Adnan is innocent. Like you said, short of a video, mm-hmm. it's, it's very difficult to prove a negative. But luckily, the way our court system is supposed to work is you're supposed to prove the positive. You're supposed to prove that they did it. And they didn't do that, I don't think. I agree. I agree. Well, are you ready to move into these questions? Yes. All right. Our first question comes from Grayson. And Grayson wants to know what Bob thinks the reason would be for Ritz and McGillivary to feed the story to Jay. Do you think they were just desperate to find a narrative to pin on Adnan? Was it laziness? Was it a desire to close the case quickly? Grayson, I'm going to ask you to just hang on to that one. Because in the final episode of the series, in part 14, which has already been released on Patreon, you get that answer as to why. We learn a lot about Ritz and McGillivary and how they operate in other cases. The short answer is they don't care. They do this. They've been caught doing this. Even if they know who actually did commit the murder, if they've already found their suspect, they don't care. They will close their case with whoever they can close it with. And I'm not just talking nonsense. There's there's documented proof of that. All right. David says, did the prosecutors ever mention Jay's claim in the intercept interview that the burial was around midnight? Of course not. So I've touched on it a couple of times because I I brought it up in reference to Jay talking about being interviewed by the police multiple times. Mm. So, So what happened there was after Serial came out, Jay does this interview with The Intercept, and it was arranged, we found out, by his old attorney. And I bel- Kevin Yurick was involved with the arranging of it as well, I think, the prosecutor. But he gives this interview, and in that interview is where he says that the cops have been bothering him this whole time, you know, for weeks and weeks, and they kept, wouldn't stop questioning him. And then finally, after they questioned Jay, then he sat down and did a recorded interview. Those were his words in that interview. So first of all, they're never, ever going to mention that interview because... They repeatedly continue to say, as you'll hear through the rest of their series, that there is no evidence that Jay talked to the police before this recorded interview. So certainly they're not going to tell you that Jay himself said that's not the case. But also, yeah, in that interview, I believe he says the trunk pop actually happened at his grandmother's house, which is way over on the other side of town, completely disproven by the cell phone records, just like everything else. And he says that the burial didn't happen until after midnight or around midnight that night. So it tells a completely different story. So with him telling that story, he is saying, not me, he's saying everything he said before was a lie. And so the the guilty crowd will just be like, oh, he's lying. No, we don't believe. We'll only believe the version of his story that we think fits the evidence. I think I've effectively proven throughout the course of the series, especially once you get to the end, that the story he told is provably false. And it does not in any way incriminate Adnan. If anybody had taken the time back at the time of trial to do the work that we're doing here. So they want to hang on to that. So they're going to ignore what he says because the the burial happening after midnight, all the stuff he says in that new interview completely disregards everything he said in this interview that we're talking about this way. So the answer to your question is no, they didn't bring it up. Of course they won't bring it up because they're not going to bring up throughout the series, just like we don't have a discussion or an argument about Coach Sai saying that he believes Adnan was at practice on time and that he left on time. We don't have that argument. That's too problematic. That is too difficult to argue against. There's too many mental gymnastics for you to have to get around, especially when you remember, you know, everybody agrees on the date. Even the prosecutors agree that it was the day. He was at track practice on the day of the murder. He got that part right, but they never mentioned that Jay says he dropped him off at the front of the school, which is the wrong place. They never mentioned that Coach Sai said that he was there on time. It's too problematic. It's too difficult to argue against. And anything like that in this case that comes up, They pretend that it doesn't exist, and they never mention it. Caroline has two questions. First one, did the state ever present a theory as to where Adnan was allegedly calling Jay from for all of these calls Jay says he made? Uh, No. I've always wondered this from all the way back eight years ago when we were going through this. Like, And it's before I dug into the statement. I I don't feel like I even realized that in Jay's interview, he actually says that Adnan called him four fucking times. Mm Mm-hmm. Even when it was just the come get me call, it was always, well, you know, they, they said that call came from the payphone at Best Buy. But the first time it was down at Edmondson Avenue, like, was that a payphone? But then in this interview, when he's saying 
He called him three times before he ever did the come get me call. Where is he making these calls from? But again, Brent and Alice never mentioned, just like we were talking about in the last question, they never tell you in their episode that Jay's actual story is that Adnan called him four times and that the come get me call came in on Jen's landline. Because again, how do you argue that? How do you both argue that the entire reason Jay had his car and the entire reason that Adnan gave Jay his phone, the entire reason that he even got the phone to begin with, was so that he could call him on it when it's time to pick him up after murdering Hay, but then he called the landline instead of the cell phone. To a person he doesn't really know. Yeah, and certainly doesn't have her home phone number. So that's way too difficult to try to explain, so they just don't tell you that Jay said that. But yeah, if you try to imagine Jay's story that he told, the one that everybody is saying is the one that incriminates Adnan, ever thought about where he's making all these phone calls from? And I think I even touched on it in the episode. Like, so what is it? Like, hey, can we get that ride? Let me quick use a payphone. Call Jay. Hey, just wanted to make sure the phone's on. Okay, let's go. We're almost to the car. Hang on, let me grab it. Let me go back to the payphone again. Jay, hey, listen, uh, I'm calling you just so you can tell me that you're at Jen's. Gotcha. Okay, hang on. And then there's another call after they leave. So when he gets to Best Buy, let me go use a payphone again and call Jay. And then he goes back and then he kills her. And then he goes back and uses the, cell, the payphone there again. To, like, obviously, it's ridiculous. All right, her second question. In Jen's interview, she says, Jay told her that he dropped Adnan off at another broad's house and then picked him up later. Ritz narrows down the time between 3.45 and 8 p.m. Was that bizarre story ever reconciled with Jay's story to the police? Real quick, this is just breaking as we're talking. Rabia had just got back with me. She's in Pakistan right now, but she said that she agrees that the audio needs to come out. And she was going to check her drive while she's there. So if I'm reading it right, it sounds like she's going to send them to me to get them out. And if that's the case, we will we will definitely do that. Regarding the question, that's interesting. When I read that question, I don't know if I forgot about it because it's not been it wasn't addressed by the prosecutor. It wasn't even addressed mm-hmm. by me in uh, my episode on Jen's interview. But yeah, it's another wild part of Jen's basic story that's the same as Jay's basic story that corroborate each other. And part of that story, she says that Jay told her that sometime between. After they dropped the car off and they buried the body, Jay dropped Adnan off at some girl's house and left. She actually says some other broad, some other chick's house. She says both those things, kind of weird, interesting language. Mm-hmm. And then goes back and picks him up. That's not anywhere in any of Jay's stories. So the answer to your quotes that ever reconciled? Of course it wasn't. It was never reconciled. And I've never heard it discussed. I've never discussed. I've read it. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things, like when I'm looking at all everything else, I think I just breeze past it. So that was a good catch, first of all, to even narrow in on that. But no, it's certainly not reconciled. Jay never says anything like that on the record. Yeah, this is the first I even I've even heard of this, so I didn't know any of this. Yeah. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tara wants to add a comment. She says, This episode left me feeling for teenage Jay. Bob does such a great job clearly pointing out how Jay was manipulated. It was very eye-opening. Jay was basically a kid who was bullied into completely making up a story where he was involved in a murder. The conduct of these officers is despicable and this case is sad on so many levels. Honestly, that's one of the other reasons I want people to hear the audio. There's part of me that wants to say, I feel bad for Jay. But at the same time, for completely unrelated reasons, I can't feel bad for Jay. When I see the pictures of how he beat the hell out of his baby's mother with his child in the car and those things, like I don't like I, I don't have sympathy for a guy that would do that. But then there's like this this cause and effect. Like did this situation help to make Jay who he was? I don't know because when you hear it, what you do hear is, and I hadn't picked up on it eight years ago. I did pick up on it this time when I was doing the statement analysis that Jay's confused. You can hear it. To me, reading it, and when I've heard it, it reads and sounds like he is just desperate, and he is confused, and he's trying to give these officers what he wants, which means he's probably very scared on top of it, which is why he's doing it. He's afraid. So I'm with you. I feel for teenage Jay. He was put into a position he never should have been put into by some very crooked police officers. And yeah, I agree with the sentiment. When you read it, and particularly if you get to hear it, I thought at a time, like Jay went in, he's like, I'm selling Adnan out to save myself. And, I, and it, like he went in there just creating the story to get himself out of trouble and, and to put Adnan in jail. When you hear it, it's not the case. It's not Jay's story. If you actually read the transcript, and I encourage you all to actually go read the transcript. This isn't like where I just, there's like, a giant case file somewhere you have to sort through it. If you go to our website and hit the season 14 case docs, everything is there. It's alphabetical. It's easy to find. There's a file that says Jay's second interview transcript. Click on it and read it and pay attention to what you're reading. This is not his story. So go to the part where he took him to track, you know, Jay's like, I, we, I, I took him to the school to see who uh, his co-students. Was there an event? Oh yeah, it was track practice. Because he wanted you to give him an alibi? Yeah, yeah. This is not Jay's story. It's the detective's story. This isn't that far removed from Jesse Miss Kelly. It's not quite as obvious as Jesse Miss Kelly's, but it's there. He's being fed a story and he's doing nothing but agreeing with what he's being told. So the thing I, I thought exactly that as you were saying that, that it, it reminds me of Jesse Miss Kelly. It reminds me of Brendan Dassey. The thing that's different is when they told the detectives what the detectives wanted to hear and accidentally included themselves, as Jay did, they had repercussions for it, and Jay seemingly did not. He absolutely did not. So that's that stands out huge to me that there's something wrong here. Because when Jesse Miss Kelly told detectives what they wanted to hear and accidentally included himself, he went to prison. Right. And I think I think the major difference there is there's a mental capacity difference here, right? With Brandon Dassey. And Jesse Miss Kelly both had some kind of intellectual, I don't know, it was a disability, but they certainly both had very low IQs. They were easily manipulated. Jay is a very smart guy. Jay is sharp. I think he was able to game the system a little better than those guys were able to do. As you heard with Jay, when they started pushing him harder, what'd he do? Yeah, whoa, he whoa, made, whoa, let's yeah. stop. Let's stop. What's going on? I don't understand this line of question. Like he pushed back. He's like, this is not the deal. Where with Jesse and Brendan, they didn't understand what was happening. So they just kept going and they just dug the hole deeper and deeper and deeper. All right. Josh has a general question about witness statements. Why does it seem like a jury will put so much weight 
into one eyewitness that corroborates a guilty narrative and has obviously has something to gain by pointing a finger at someone than to put any weight on so many more alibi witnesses. With Jay's story being so full of holes and him obviously having a good reason to lie about what happened, how and why would a jury put more weight into that than multiple eyewitnesses who would have no reason to lie and could potentially get in more trouble if caught lying? If that was the case, you'd be 100% right, but that's not what the jury heard in this case. First of all, the first part of it, that Jay had something to gain. The jury in Adnan's case was led to believe that Jay was going to prison. So they knew that he had been arrested. They knew that he had been charged. He told them on the record that he didn't have a deal. They were led to believe that the star witness did not have anything to gain, that regardless of the outcome here, he's going to prison. That's what they were led to believe. So that adds credibility to him. Now, had they known because of him helping in this case, he's now not going to go to prison, they may have looked at him a little differently, but that's not what they heard. And as far as the alibi witnesses, they didn't hear that either. So nobody ever did the work that we've done. And by we, I mean the collective, we, everybody from me, you guys, the undisclosed team, you know, everybody that, that is like dug through all of these details to figure all this stuff out. Nobody did that back at the time of trial. So like Coach Sai says, I don't know what day it was, you know, track practice started at four o'clock. I don't know if I remember him being there that day. And they're like, oh, well, guess he doesn't know. Like nobody back then was like, okay, but you said it was the only warm day above 50 degrees when they practiced outside and it was during Ramadan when Adnan was fasting. That was was very easy with those data points to figure out, oh, it was January 13th. Had to be. It's the only day it could have been. It could not have been any other day besides January 13th. Nobody did that back then. So the jury didn't hear Coach Sai's alibi, right? They didn't hear Asia's alibi. I believe it was Becky. There were, and there were some weird things. I don't remember if it was Becky or Debbie or maybe both that when they got put on the stand as alibi witnesses and questioned about the police statements, they bailed on it. And I, I cannot remember which one of them was, but one of them, there was like, they were like, didn't you say, I think it was Becky. Don't quote me on that. But for, as an example of how this went down, I'm not sure if it was her or, or like Becky was asked. So you recall seeing Adnan and Hay. And she said she couldn't give him a ride, and he walked that way, and she walked that way. If I'm remembering correctly, it was Becky. And in the first trial, she didn't remember. She was presented with, okay, here's your statement. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do remember that, or however that went down. At the second trial, the one that sent Adnan to prison, for some reason, she refused to acknowledge what she had said before. They're like, you said, didn't you say that you saw them, and they went different directions? No, I don't remember that. You don't remember saying that? No. Here's your witness statement. See there? You don't remember saying that. No. Even after reading that statement. And I don't know if that's the prosecution getting their hooks. And we heard from some of Adnan's classmates who, you know, back in season one who were interviewed on the show, said that like, the police were coming to the school and telling all of us that Adnan is for sure guilty. They have DNA evidence. They absolutely know it was him. They were trying to convince all of these people that they 100% knew Adnan was guilty and that it was an open and shut case. I don't know if that influenced it, but the jury never heard all those alibi statements. Certainly not as clear as they were given to the police back at the beginning. The Nisha call, right? They use that as a, as a huge point. Gutierrez, Adnan's attorney, didn't do the math to figure out that when Nisha says the one single time when she talked to Jay, when she was talking to Adnan and, she put, and he put Jay on the phone, the only time she's ever talked to Jay, that he was working at a porn store. She didn't do the math to figure out, well, he didn't work at the porn store until two weeks after the murder. It couldn't have been that day. They didn't do the math to look at like, well, if at 321, Adnan and Jay have not left Best Buy yet, and the phone is pinging this tower over here, and then at 332, the Nisha call pings that same tower, but they were supposed to have driven all the way across town, dropped the car, bought weed, bought blunts, then drove all the way back. There's no possible way that they could have been back in that area. Like the Nisha call couldn't have been true. Nobody did that work back then. So what seems obvious to us now was certainly not obvious to the jurors at the time. The thing that jumps out to me is you, as you talk about lining these things up, as you talked about Coach Sai saying that it was an unseasonably warm day mm-hmm. and you could look back and say that that was on record, that was January 13th. We right. know, but that, that also pokes the hole in Jay's story of saying there was snow on the ground. Right. That's a big thing that, to me, that stands out there. And that was what I was trying to get across in this episode was it's very clear if you look through and do the statement analysis 
that this is not Jay's story. It's McGillivary's. And McGillivary hadn't done his homework. And I said in the episode, and I don't know if I, if I articulated exactly what I was trying to say here, but when I said that this is the point where I know that McGillivary knows that Adnan is innocent is because he's the one pushing the narrative that they took him back to track. Okay, they hadn't talked to Coach Sai yet, so they don't have the statement from the coach saying that he was at track on time. And yet still, McGillivary knows he needs to get him back to track practice. So to me, my analysis of that is McGillivary at this point has figured out Jay's full of shit. Adnan didn't do it. He's going to have alibi witnesses at track practice. So in Jay's story, he needs to get him back to track practice. But he didn't do his homework. It was indoor track practice. So he has Jay dropping him off at the front circle, at the front of the school, to go inside to indoor track practice. He hadn't done his homework to realize that track practice wasn't inside that day. It was one of the rare occasions where it was outside all the way behind the back. And I've showed you that map. It's on our website. So far away. That, to me, is why alarm bells are going off. Like, he knows he's got the wrong guy. He knows it. He knows because Jay's full of shit, that means Adnan probably isn't guilty, which means Adnan was probably at his track practice. So I need Jay to get him back to track practice. The hoops you have to jump through are crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. So Michael has a question slash statement here. There was no escape for Jay after he gave this interview, was there? Essentially, he confessed to accessory before the fact. Yeah, exactly. And they did that immediately. Right at the beginning, they get him to say that the whole conversation, the plan to kill Hay, all that happened now, not on a not on an 18-second phone call that night, but it was a shopping trip with a long conversation. And then he has him say that he told Jen as well. That it was going to happen. Like, boom, boom. That's on the record. And I don't think Jay even knew what hit him. Yeah, that was quick. So Lynn's question. Just want to say thanks for the clarity. Police threatened Jay with punishment that seemed extreme until you point out that his coerced confession involved him pre-planning with Adnan. I have even less respect for these cops now, and I don't think it was even possible. Yeah, I think what she's getting at is there's been some discussions on Facebook or people saying, you know, you're saying that they were threatening Jay with the death penalty. First of all, that's fact. From his attorney, she said that they threatened him with the death penalty. But that seems extreme. Mm -hmm. It was just like he helped cover it up and stuff. But yeah. Isn't that illegal as well? What? Threatening with the death penalty? There's some weird Supreme Court. Colin Miller has broken that down. Okay. Because I think that's why they had Ben Arroyo on to talk about that, his lawyer. But yeah, to threaten with the death penalty is, there's some statute there that says you you can't do that. Okay. And so, but somehow they skated around it. But yeah, then when you realize that they weren't telling him it was just accessory after the fact. They were saying that he helped plan the murder, but also I'll take it a step further. And I think that originally they were going to pin the murder on him. I don't think it was ever, ever an accessory from the beginning. At the beginning, they're saying, so this is how these detectives work. And again, when you get to the final episode of the series, you'll see how this is normal for them to do shit like this. Seems crazy, but it's not for these two guys. They do like they've been caught doing it. So like they get the tip about Adnan. Okay, well, let's pull Adnan's phone record. So they decide at that point, Adnan's the guy. Then they go to start the first call. They go to Jay because he called Jay that day. And Jay says, oh, I had his phone that day. And then I think they were that willing to be like, oh, well, then you're guilty. And think about that leap, right? So it's Mm -hmm. like all it is is a tip that Adnan did it. So they get his phone records. That leads him to Jay. Jay says, no, I had the phone. The tip wasn't about the phone. The tip was that it was Adnan. But now since Jay had the phone, you did it. Oof. And then Jay's like, no, I didn't do it. He did it. My theory, that's how this, this all kind of shakes out. So we've kind of touched on this, but Laura asks, can you discuss your interpretation of Jay's general demeanor in this interview? Do you think he shows any emotion or empathy? It's difficult to pick up from the transcripts. He's, he sounds scared. And two things, I, I mentioned this earlier, scared and confused. I think Jay is very confused the entire time. Like I almost imagine like if somebody was like doing a play at school and they had to memorize all their lines and they're super nervous about it. And then the, the director of the play is getting frustrated with them when they're getting it wrong. And they're, and they're kind of spiraling and they're that feeling. If anybody's ever been in that circumstance, like that feeling is how I imagine Jay feeling the way I read it. The way I hear it mm-hmm. is that he's just like, he's both nervous, he's frustrated and he's confused all at the same time. I mean, I, I can kind of see that through the transcript without even hearing it. Yeah. It, it's good to hear that. Jenna has a general question. Is there a specific reason that you have not met or spoken to Adnan since his release? 
I always imagine that given your relationship with Rabia and all the work you did for this case initially, that you'd be on the short list to meet each other. No, there's no, I mean, other than I haven't gone to Baltimore and I guess I, I, I could talk to him, but no, like th- this, this may come as a shock to people, but this case to me has always been about, Hey, I feel for Adnan. I believe in Adnan's innocent. I'm here to fight for for Adnan, but I have no relationship with Adnan. And then it kind of got to a point, like, especially with me coming back into this, doing this work when he's out, I don't want to give anybody any more ammunition for claiming this is all biased, like I'm friends with him. Like, I'd almost rather have it that I have zero relationship with Adnan. I've never spoken to him. I've never exchanged a letter with him. I've never talked to him. At some point, I do want to meet him mm-hmm. and I'll speak for Rabia and Adnan. If I happen to be going to Baltimore, I guarantee you that Robbie is going to cook up some good food and we're going to go over to Robbie's house and I'm going to meet Adnan and hang out and we will do that. But it's just, it hasn't been a priority for me because I always feel like Adnan's part of this is not my story. You, you know what I mean? Like my work is on the case and, you know, and finding Hayes killer and stuff. And in turn, that's about getting Adnan out of prison. But it, it's Robbie and Susan and Colin. Those are the people and his attorneys. Those are the people that have been working with Adnan that have always had that relationship with him. And I don't want to insert myself into that. But no, there's there's no particular reason. It just hasn't come up. I am fairly confident that if I asked Robbie right now, I was just talking to her while we're on the air. If I if I asked Robbie like, hey, can I talk to Adnan on the phone? I'm sure that we could make that connection. But I just haven't had reason to do that. That's a pretty good explanation to me. And and honestly, being around the show, you've always pushed for. This is justice for those who are forgotten. This is justice right. for the people that, that have been murdered. Kathy mm-hmm. is wondering if Jay should be a suspect. She says Jay and Jen were together during the crucial time period. Just has me rethinking a bit. There's no possible way for any of Jay's stories to be true with Adnan. But what if they were actually Jen he was with? And then Kate has a question along the same lines. So she says, okay, I understand the dismissal of Jay as a suspect because of the theory that it was a known associate, or whatever the phrase is, homicide. But couldn't his refusal to go back on the record and recant his confession some way actually be pointing to the fact that he doesn't want to be put any light on him, and he knew who strangled her? I don't think... So it's this weird thing, right? So the only reason that Adnan or Jay would have anything to do with this, the only reason to suspect them at all, is because of Jay's story. Jay's provably false story. So then people, we have a tendency to then to be like, well, okay, so it couldn't be Adnan, but Jay knew all this stuff. So then it must be Jay. But like we forget the entire thing was flawed from the beginning because the entire premise was built on this completely illogical, completely impossible story. Like to say like they were together at the crucial times. We don't even know when the crucial time was. We don't. The only reason we know when the crucial time was is because Jay said that there was a come get me call at 340. We don't know that that's the case. Everybody is like, well, we know that Hay had to be abducted or killed before 3.15 to 3.30 because that's when she was picking up her cousin and she was responsible and she would never pick up her cousin. Like we say that as though that's such an absolute that a teenager, even a very good, even a very responsible teenager, wouldn't forget, wouldn't blow off, wouldn't get distracted by something else and not like for all we know, she did what she told Debbie she was going to do. Went and hung out with Dawn and just like either forgot about the, the or, or they were, she was distracted by an argument or whatever the thing was. And she wasn't killed until 10 o'clock that night. And, and I don't think that's the case, but all I'm saying is like the crucial time is only the crucial time because Jay said it was the crucial time. And Jay can't tell a story that fits, whether it's him and Adnan or, or, or him and Jen. It doesn't matter who it is, who's with him. You can't be at these places at these times and have killed Hay. So no, I don't think that Jay is a, is a viable suspect at all. That whole thing is interesting to me because I still have heard the guilty side come forward and say, certain people say that Jay's not believable. Jay's full of shit. Yeah. But they still believe Adnan is guilty. And I'm like, I don't know how you can put those two together. The only way you can believe Adnan is guilty is you have to believe Jay. Right. And so they say, well, we do believe Jay. We believe Jay led him to the car. And how could he know where the car? And Jay knew that she was strangled. Jay knew where the car was. So we believe Jay there. We just don't believe Like they, they have to like pick. The pieces that they want to believe. And then they and then they try to trivialize. I had a conversation a couple months ago with somebody and they're like, I don't care if they went to McDonald's or if he had a Big Mac or McNugget. None of that stuff matters. This is all that matters. Like, no, it does fucking matter. Not whether he ate a Big Mac or a chicken McNugget. But when he says we did these different things, this is how this murder and burial happened. We went here to here to here to here to here. Those things matter. And you don't get to be like, well, none of that's possible. Like, well, it just doesn't matter. Like, that's not, no. Yeah. Fuck that. Ugh. Well, that was our last question for the week. 
Good. And I'm glad that I had Becky pick up Parker because I forgot that was before we got on air. There was the YouTube. We were supposed to be done at 310. That was going to be a hard out. I decided to have a backup plan. Have my wife pick my son up and uh, it's now 340. So it's a good thing that we did that. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. So remember, if you're a patron on Sunday, you get the the panel from Obsess Fest with myself and Janet and Ed Eight and his wife, Kim, and Julian Pensavalli on the panel with us. That is going to be available for you guys in both audio and video, uh, whichever you choose, or you can do both on Sunday. For the main feed, you're going to get part 10. We are episode 13, part 10 of the Prosecutor's Reply Brief series. And this one, we get into Jay's trial testimony as we move along with the case. With all that being said, thank you all so much for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks so much to our patrons for supporting us and all of you on YouTube that are here participating. It's been a great chat. We'll talk to you guys next week. Are you going to pretend to do Janet's goodbye? You do yours. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye! Justice is an NBI Studios production. All music for the show is created and composed by Shane Yoder at PutThemInASong.com. The font you see on all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com design, created, manages, and maintains our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our volunteer transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Courtney Wimberly, Erica Cantor, Melissa Cardenas, Kaywood Yomnik, and Danielle Rohr. And as always, thank you to all of you for your engagement and your support. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that in a number of ways. The number one way for you to support our work is to become a patron at patreon.com slash truthandjustice. If you join our Patreon, not only will you be financially supporting our work, but you'll also get something for your pledge. For just $5 per month, you'll get all episodes ad-free and also a video version of the Friday follow-ups that include an hour-long pre-show chat exclusive to our patrons. Other levels will get you a Truth and Justice Army t-shirt, Truth and Justice hats, and even the opportunity to co-host a Friday follow-up episode. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice to sign up. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review doesn't cost you a penny and it goes a long way towards making the show more visible if you have a case that you'd like us to consider covering you can submit your cases on our website truthandjusticepod.com just click on the case submission button and fill out the form and the most important thing that you can do is engage in our investigations you can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com you can like our facebook page follow us on instagram or join in on the conversation on the truth and justice podcast fans page for all of you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney. And Zach is at Z to the Q. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 